In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents... A lot of them aren't even... Even pretending to be in charge. Slow the testing down. Remove him from office. No justice, no peace. Cast a vote that will make you proud. The Betches Sup Podcast. With all due respect, that's a bunch of malarkey. Hello and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Sammy Fishbein. And for those of you that are just tuning in, the Betches Sup Podcast is your daily rundown of all the crazy shit that's going on in the news, explained by your two funniest friends... Which is us. And today we're talking about the convention. So let's Obviously. Let's get to the convention. Yeah. So what did you think? The first um, virtual convention ever. You know, honestly, I thought that for what it was, they did the best that they could do. Like there were some awkward moments to me. There are some things that I maybe wouldn't have done. But at the same time, like, I was I was worried it would be a shit show and it was not a shit show. Yeah, I actually my expectations were exceeded. Um yes, I, I would it say was exceeded. Like pretty well produced. Um it was seemed thought out. I understand in this context why AOC is only getting 60 seconds because it moves a lot faster yes. than I had anticipated. Um I didn't know what to expect at all, but I think they did like a good job with it. I think that we're going to see a lot more um, media could like being consumed this way in these like sort of marathon things. Yeah. Um, it, was- had, it was the best that thing they could have done given the situation. And I actually think maybe more people will watch it because of like the new format. Yes. And I also think they are getting a benefit from going first because now the Republicans have to have it go. I mean, obviously we have four more nights for there to be like a major technical issue or whatever, but really they didn't have one. There were like a couple moments where people started earlier. There was like a weird delay, but other than that, like the RNC is now going to have to put on their convention at the same production level, at least. And they're getting this together in way less time because they fucked around for so long and pretended like it was going to be live and all this stuff. Whereas the Democrats have been working on whatever this was going to be for months and it went off. It was smooth, you know, even the, like the zoom kids singing the national anthem, (laughs) like it worked. Like I saw positive reactions on Twitter. My mom was like, I feel patriotic again. Like it's like, (laughs) I actually think it worked. And I think that it, worked on an older audience better than it did on a younger audience because we expect things to be like seamless and perfect and are like looking to like be like look you fucked up like your grandpa and we're actually poisoned the older voters (laughs) the boomers i think that this like worked for them like i think this was like great for them yeah and the sense that i got to be honest is that that's what this night was about. Obviously we'll get into it. Bernie talked and appealed to the left for sure in that moment, but 
Uh, tonight or last night felt to me like it was very like we're gonna have this whole section of former Republicans and former Trump voters talk and John Kasich is gonna stand at a literal crossroads, which <laughs> is maybe one of the choices With a I drone wouldn't have made. Filming him. A drone filmed him. That I, I tweeted this because I was live tweeting for Betch's sup if anyone was following, but that metaphor would get you a C plus in high school. Like that is not <laughs> not great. <laughs> no. But you know what? I think it probably like hit the right note for the people that it needs to hit the right note for. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if maybe there were some people who were like, they saw John Kasich at the crossroads and they were like, you know what? That really brought it home for me to see right. a moderate Republican standing at a fork in the road. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> like, I know that I saw like leftist Twitter, um, not even a moderate Republican, a Republican. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. actually, like, yeah. I, like, yeah. Leftist Twitter was all like, get these Republicans out of here. But like, I actually think that like this could have persuaded people like, like not every Trump voter is as hardcore. It's not like binary as binary as like we might assume where it's like, if you're a Trump voter now, you're always going to be one. Like there are people who did change their minds. So you could make more of those. And like, I don't know what, what, get you know gets people to actually change their mind but like maybe it is sort of like a peer pressure of seeing like more people who were formerly republicans and like they can't listen to like person woman man camera tv anymore like it's crazy and i i think that the biden campaign there they always are talking about the biden coalition and i think that they have made a choice that the Biden coalition is this sort of wide ranging group of people who do not want Donald Trump to be president for various Wait, reasons. That's what it should be. And that includes these potential, like these former Trump voters or these like easy to peel off Republicans. And I mean, obviously he's still, he's made some progressive concessions to the left and we saw Bernie last night. We'll see AOC again. There are a couple like rising progressive stars on the ticket, but I think honestly, I think that he probably figures most progressives for all the stink that they put up on Twitter will probably vote for him. And the ones who won't are actually non-voters anyway. I think he might be right about that. And I think that like the um, he is still having progressives. His point is that this is like, I think what he's trying to create is like everyone versus the Trump cult. Yeah. So that means peeling off people who like they voted Republican in 2016, but maybe they're not down to be in this cult. Like maybe they actually think it's crazy that the president draws with a Sharpie, like the hurricane map. Yeah. Like maybe <laughs> yeah, they maybe, see. Maybe okay. they saw him say drink bleach at a press conference right. and were like, you know what? I'm fucking done with this. Right. Maybe they had a parent who died. Let's actually play a clip of someone last night who at the DNC, her name was Kristen Urquiza, whose father died after contracting the coronavirus. She had a very effective appearance. We're going to play it. My dad was a healthy 65 year old. His only pre-existing condition was trusting Donald Trump, and for that, he paid with his life. I am not alone. Once I told my story, a lot of people reached out to me to share theirs. They asked me to help them keep their communities safe, 
especially communities of color, which have been disproportionately affected. They asked me, a normal person, to help because Donald Trump won't. I thought that was so powerful. Yeah. Especially the thing about like his only thing that he did wrong was trust Donald Trump. And it really brought home this thing of like, he does not care about you. He will, he will let you die. It's not you personally. He also doesn't doesn't care if you know that, which is like an extra level of brazenness. So like, to me, it is possible whether or not these, whether or not these people, we're not trying to create Democrats. We're trying to create Biden voters. Once there's a Biden administration, we can figure it out from there because honestly, the Trump cult will need to be held accountable and essentially exiled from like polite society. And then you're going to have to reform what used to be like a Republican party. Like we're going to have to watch that happen. So, and the progressive wing of the party, which I consider myself to be a part of, we will probably have to push them on different progressive issues, but there's no pushing the current administration on any Anything. issue of any kind. Like they yeah. literally exist to troll at this point. Like they announced yesterday that they're having that couple that pointed guns at protesters at the RNC. Like, what is that? What value oh, yeah. could they possibly have as like even giving a speech? It's literally just there to upset people. That's who we're dealing with. These we're not dealing with reasonable people. Those people's credentials is that they pointed gun at, guns at protesters. Like that is their sole credential. That is actually that they are famous for threatening to shoot anti-racist protesters. That yes. is their reason for speaking at the Republican National Convention. That is the level of depraved troll that is currently running the U.S. government. And that's how we get into a thing like what we talked about last time we were doing an episode together where they're not going to send aid to blue states because they don't want to. That's what's going on right now. And so it really, and I felt this during the entire convention, like this rises above party and it rises against, it, it rises above even like the things that I want as a progressive, like, if there are certain parts of the Biden platform that piss me off, like I think he should be all in for Medicare for all, whatever. But this is even bigger this, than Medicare for all. And I'm going to advocate for the I'm going to advocate like hell for Medicare for all once he gets in. This but, is about basic survival. Yes. This is about basic survival and like literally the last the last bulwark against actual authoritarianism in this country this is it this is the moment of truth like this is what it's all been leading to and like what i actually this is why i think what biden is doing is good is because he's trying to make the point is that it's the point is that it's like getting as many people against this as possible to the side of the democratic party in this election it's not about what happens after at this point it is getting the biggest number of votes for the democratic party as soon as possible Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click 
gift mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com, and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. So should we kind of walk through the evening yes. itself? Let's, let's, um, take it. let's take a recap. So obviously we kick things off with Ms. Eva Longoria. She's great. She was great. I thought she did. At first I was like, you know, my little, my little comedian person in me is like wanted to like dunk on them and be like, why is Eva Longoria here? But I'm like, who else? Of course they're going to get an actress to host it. Why would because they it's get- a broadcast. Exactly. I was like, who would I actually want? to host this and it would be inappropriate. It would be inappropriate for like a news anchor to do it. Yeah. So and it's a comedian's like, not serious enough. Exactly. You so need I'm like, someone who has like philanthropic activist credentials. Yes. And who's kind person. of neutral. Like does people have problems? I don't think anybody's got a problem with Eva Longoria. No. <laughs> we all love Eva Longoria. So my initial reaction was like, this is random. And then I was like, well, what else are they going to do? Of yeah, course they're gonna I, get it. What I imagine is that like the people involved in, in planning this were people who plan like extensive broadcasts like the Grammys, the Oscars. Like it felt more like that to me. Yeah. Then also like it was basically Instathon. Listen, let's talk about that. <laughs> yes. it, was, it was basically the best DNC, stuff's Instathon. The DNC was Instathon, um, just like <laughs> with with a budget. <laughs> yes. There were some people, though, I will say, like, I think it was in the little, I thought the little round tables, like, they had to do stuff to mix up the format. So I don't want to, like, dunk the on drum, anything yeah. too much. But I did think the round table, number one, was funny because it was just, like, watch Joe Biden host a Zoom meeting. 
But yeah. also, there were some people where I was like, could the DNC not send them, like, a camera and an Ethernet cable? Like, what's going on here? Why is this prison pixelated? We can't send them a little setup? That just sent me a setup for Instathon, so I don't know <laughs> why. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. I can't tell. I couldn't tell you. But, yeah, I think it's like, who knows what this must have taken? Oh I can't. I don't envy the person in charge of this. Not literally not at all. But there is some I was just like, I mean, we can send Eric Garner's mom a ring light. Like, let's <laughs> let's get her some mail. Like, but maybe the post office didn't bring it in time. There is always that. There is always that. Um, some other people who spoke. Uh, I mean, there were a lot of different speakers, but big highlights. Uh, Governor Cuomo spoke uh, kind of like from his covid like from the same place where he did all the COVID uh, briefings. I think that that was like almost like someone who writes for SNL suggested that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh my God. Like I was expecting to get like more dire it info. It was like a comforting, trusting arena. Um, so he spoke, you know, he did his, he did his Cuomo thing. He was like, Trump did a bad job with the virus. I did a good job. Etc. Uh, Gretchen Whitmer spoke uh, that that woman from Michigan, as Trump yeah. calls her, and she had on like a cool leather jacket. I and saw a lot of mixed opinions on the leather jacket. I liked it. I thought she was like having a style moment. It didn't really <laughs> register for me. Like honestly, I just thought like I was like, oh, she's cool young governor lady. Like she's doing something else. And her speech also was, was the, there were a lot of like biting speeches. I felt like they got more pointed at Trump as the night went on. But hers was the first one where she was like, I'm Gretchen Whitmer or that woman from Michigan. And like, she went in kind of like right away. I see how she could like, this, she's an interesting one. There's a clip of her right before going live saying motherfucker. That's really, uh. I love it's, that. It's cute. She like whispers it. She like mouths it. I can't remember what exactly the reason is, but it made me enjoy Gretchen Whitmer even more. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, she's wearing a leather jacket. She's got a red lip, these pearls. She's saying motherfucker. Like we're cool with Gretchen Whitmer. <laughs> uh, we also had Bernie Sanders as well. Uh, and we actually do have a clip he came in from vermont he was he looked like he was in like a cellar with a bunch of logs it was um, very bernie it was it was authentic bernie and i i really thought that his speech you know he clearly was making a speech that was aimed at uh impressing upon people who supported him in the primary why it is important to support joe biden let's listen to a clip of that during this president's term, the unthinkable has become normal. He has tried to prevent people from voting, undermined the U.S. Postal Service, deployed the military and federal agents against peaceful protesters, threatened to delay the election, and suggested that he will not leave office if he loses. This is not normal, and we must never treat it like it is. Under this administration, authoritarianism has taken root 
in our country. I and my family and many of yours know the insidious way authoritarianism destroys democracy, decency, and humanity. As long as I am here, I will work with progressives, with moderates, and yes, with conservatives to preserve this nation from a threat that so many of our heroes fought and died to defeat. Yeah, I I really like the way he pointed out, I know that it's like a meme at this point to say this is not normal, but that idea of like the unprecedented has become something that we just accept every day. Yeah, I've, I've said this uh, to Amanda before, but like, there are some days when like the like when this podcast is like slower and and I'm thinking I'm like okay it's slow against the backdrop of a pandemic and fascism and like a plummeting economy which is crazy because that's like the backdrop we're living with now not yes. even like the daily stories and then there's like all the insidious shit that's going on behind the scenes with like how every institution is being actively dismantled right now we're focusing on the post office but like there was so much more the whole going on the whole past four right. years. And That's why there was no pandemic response team because it was already dismantled. We're literally accepting at this moment that the president is going to try to cheat in the election. And, like, and there's that's, like not much that can be done. Yeah. And that's just becoming like, okay, how do we beat him when he cheats is becoming the like right. way we're thinking about it. And it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, we have to like beg for a hearing for the postmaster general who is his massive crony. Like, right. And we were, it was like, I mean, he agreed he's going to testify, but there was kind of a question like as to whether he would. And then what will we do if he's just like, I'm not going to come? What's the goal of testifying? Then what? Does it bring the mail sorting machines back? Does it make the mail get delivered faster? Does it get ballots in before election day? Because they already said, they already said like, that they're not going to be able to count it. They're not going to be able to get them in fast enough, even if you mail it in in time. So I I don't see how it's going to, how him testifying, what does it even achieve? I think, I mean, ultimately the only thing that it achieves is hopefully to get more information about what's going on out in the public to keep this in the public eye right before the election. But yeah, we can't pass anything because it's Mitch McConnell has to pass it. So we're not going to pass anything to save the post office. Like it's not going to happen. What I predict happening is that they're not going to be able to fix it. And then it's going to become a matter of like, it goes to the courts about like, does something technically get there because of the deadline? that kind of thing. And then it's going to become a dispute over every ballot. And like, honestly, the only hope is that his supporter, his own vote is hurt by this. Yeah. And his, I mean, well, first of and all, that's what's funny that is I'm like, go in person. I know, which we'll, we'll get to Michelle's speech in a minute. Cause we need to like, just hone in on that. But it, um, there's already been issues in a bunch of the primaries about like, like if your ballot is postmarked by election day, it's supposed to count, but some things just don't get postmarked like yeah. for whatever reason. And then people don't know what to do with the ballot. And it's like, and that's I mean, we're even, just heading into a disaster and it's and obvious. That's not even to talk about like the actual um, susceptibility of the voting machines that people will be voting at. 
Yeah. Because they're still voting. There's still going to be lines. There's still going to be crazy voting. Like those still are susceptible. They're run on Wi-Fi, which is like the least safe. Um, Psychotic. It's crazy. Like there's so, they are, it's it's whack-a-mole to get your vote in. Yes. And it's also, that doesn't even speak to like the general difficulty of getting your vote in. Like, what am I supposed to do? I don't actually know when you say you're going to vote early in person. I'm going to try to do that too. Um, But like, what if you can't? Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's annoying. And also NYC's website for voting is still, it still has primary information. They haven't updated it for the general election yet. So like I'll check it to be like, okay, what am I going to do? And it's like, here's how you request for the primary. And I'm like, why is this not updated? It's just, I can't find any information. That's the crazy thing. Like I look, I'm like looking and like, I can't find any information and people will ask me, they'll DM me like what they should do. I'm like, I wish I could tell you, I don't know. I know. And I'm always trying to link in this up, but it's, it's such a crazy cavalcade of different state rules from place to place. And now that we have this mail-in voting thing going on, it's really, really hard to get people reliable information about what they can do. It's really because it's hard. also changing. It's changing all the time. Because right, like if, dissemin- you're, yeah, dissemin- if you're in a red state, they're going to try to, they're trying to make it harder. And if you're in a blue state, they're trying to change the rules to make it easier. But either way, the rules are changing all the time. Right. And just disseminating the information and keeping up with it is overwhelming. So before we get into the Michelle of it all, uh, a couple other little things that took place last night. There was a really touching live statement from George Floyd's brothers and a um, a moment of silence that happened after that where they sort of read out the names of obviously not all, but many high profile people, black people who've been murdered by police. I thought that that was a very touching moment. And, you know, contrast that with the RNC that's literally having those people who shot at protesters come to speak to say what? I have no idea. It's it's and you say Joe Biden and Donald Trump are the same. I know. I'm like, literally, look at the speakers list. Right. I mean, it's really not hard to say, see where you align. It's just the people don't want to admit that they align with the racists. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then, of course. Much was made of John Kasich at the literal crossroads. <laughs> I thought it was funny that he was like, I am proud of my Republican heritage. <laughs> like, heritage? <laughs> the fact that there's, e- first of all, the fact that there's even a crossroads is what I'm saying about this whole thing. It's like you're at a crossroads about the protester shooters versus the like people who had been harmed by police brutality. Like, yeah. You're still like, why are you even at the crossroads? Exactly. There's one, there's actually one road and then there's a giant cliff. Like you can kind of either go walk on the road or you can dive into a pit, but like. Enjoy your drone crossroad shot. It's, I mean, ultimately it it went all into the point that we've been talking about that this election is bigger than party, all of that stuff. I understand why John Kasich was there. I don't like him particularly. I thought that it was funny that he described himself as having Republican heritage. He was also joined by CEO Meg Whitman, Susan Molinari, a former Republican congressman from New York, and Christine Todd Whitman, a former Republican governor of New Jersey. 
And we actually polled our Instagram community about whether or not Republicans have a place at the DNC. And you guys were pretty split. 53% said it was helpful to the campaign and 47% said get the fuck out. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that's, I think that's honestly how I feel in my heart is like 53% of me is like, yeah, I get why this is happening. And I see the strategy that the campaign is doing. And then 47% of me is like, fuck John I'm the CEO of Quibi. A lot of Whitmans in this now in this anti-Trump crowd. Meg Whitman. Christine Todd Whitman. Like what? Yeah. I I also feel I think that way. Like 53% of me feels that way. But overall, I come out on the side of including them because frankly, a vote is a vote. And I'm not going to like cut my nose to spite my face when the alternative is literally fascism. Like, And these are I the can't... swing state people, you know? Yeah. Like, we can, like, Joe Biden can appeal to my, like, lefty ass all he wants, but ultimately I'm a vote in New York, and he's going to win New York. And this... I'm sorry, but we need to win ruthlessly. It's not trading in your values because those people aren't passing any laws in this situation. Like, yeah, John Kasich has done a lot of things that are very fucked up in his own state, but having him at the DNC can only help us at this moment. Yeah, I agree. It's like, I don't really particularly want to watch a speech by John Kasich. So just (laughs) skip it. Go get a snack at the time. But if I had skipped it, I never would have seen him at the crossroads. (laughs) My (laughs) attitude towards this is like, if you don't like someone who's speaking, like you can turn it off. You can leave the room. You can do whatever you want. Like no one, no one's, it's not bird box where they're holding your eyeballs (laughs) open. Watch John Kasich at the crossroads or die. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, it's beautiful. Uh, Okay. Is it time to talk about the Michelle of it all? It is. I mean, she was amazing. She was amazing. She gives me like, like mother of the nation vibes. That's her literal role. And it's, it's even more so when we have such an absent first lady at this point. Like, yeah. Cause it's like Obama can do what Obama does and he's been a lot more active lately but you can't he couldn't like he couldn't be out there like semi being president (laughs) also for a for a man obama i think has a lot of emotional capacity but michelle has like a lot like a lot more of it and i think she has a very nurturing vibe and that's but while not being like uh not uh, weak feeling like she feels like a strong mother figure yes you just sort mother of like, gaia what mother gaia like yeah, you the earth just like mother you like wish she raised you sorry mom. i know <laughs> i know it's like my mom did a great job but also i think michelle obama would have done a really really good job <laughs> it would have been fine yeah um let's play a clip and then just talk about her speech so let me be as honest and clear as i possibly can Donald Trump is the wrong president for our country. He has had more than enough time to prove that he can do the job, but he is clearly in over his head. He cannot meet this moment. 
He simply cannot be who we need him to be for us. It is what it is. Now, I understand that my message won't be heard by some people. We live in a nation that is deeply divided, and I am a black woman speaking at the Democratic Convention. But enough of you know me by now. You know that I tell you exactly what I'm feeling. You know I hate politics. But you also know that I care about this nation. You know how much I care about all of our children. So if you take one thing from my words tonight, it is this. If you think things cannot possibly get worse, trust me, they can and they will if we don't make a change in this election. If we have any hope of ending this chaos, we have got to vote for Joe Biden like our lives depend on it. So that quote is the one that like, it was that one and the, the thing about like preparing to stay in line for hours to vote that like they moved me, but they also scared me. Like, yeah. like I didn't leave this speech being like, I felt emotional. I felt moved by it, but it also like, it put the fear of God in me. I'll be honest. I was like, holy shit. The former first lady of the United States just said it will get worse. <laughs> oh yeah. No. And it's especially because the Obamas are so measured and ha and weren't so extreme that that actually sounds like really scary, but like, yeah. Okay. How many times do you need to like, you know, it's only gotten worse. Like, where do we think there was, everyone think it's going? I know. I mean, it, like, Robert it's like she Trump was died and the president didn't even like say anything. His own brother died and he like, I guess he tweeted, but like he barely his staff tweeted. Yeah. So I, it's, um, this it was interesting. About anyone. No, he, he certainly doesn't. And Michelle Obama brought that home, you know, saying like, he's not the man for this moment when she turns his own words against him and it says is what, it, it is. what it is. Every says every fuck boy in the history of history. It it was a masterful speech, and it's like it's literally like our kids will get printed out versions of it in class, and they'll analyze the speech. That's yeah, I did I, that in high school. Yeah, I I really feel like it is on that level of like a historic moment to see. It was. Yeah. 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 That was it, really amazing. It was a different tone than we've ever seen from her before. Like the parts where she's getting, like you can see emotional and for her to like kind of allow there to be an anger and like a righteous anger. And for her to talk about her self as a black woman speaking, it was just like, it was she's really powerful. grown a lot. Like she's very clearly like, evolved as a figure not just as a figure as a person and then it you know radiates out from who she is as a figure um but she she's yeah always, i don't think she would have made this speech years ago well she's the always becoming michelle obama yes. Yes. <laughs> which i totally am on board with we're all just always becoming like a little bit more who we are yes and i think i mean i think it was the perfect way to end the first night of the convention i think it was yeah it was just really powerful. It just, but it did like, I think 
I, I've never seen a speech where part of it, the goal of it was to put the fear of God in you a little bit. Not in like a fear-mongering Trump way, but in a like, this is fucking serious way. And it really like, it impressed that upon me because I'm like, wow, here I am in my living room watching a virtual convention because of a pandemic. And the former first lady has now zapped onto my screen to basically be like, he's going to try to steal the election and we all have to be prepared to wait, pack a bag lunch, wear our most comfortable shoes, like get in line and wait. Yeah, no, that's what they said on uh, Gaslit Nation. They were mm -hmm. like, get a folding chair, get your shit ready, prepare to do this. Like it's, I mean, it's crazy to me. I have this distinct memory of being like a teenager and seeing like a cover of a newspaper when Iraq had their first vote. And like, I specifically remember it was like a girl with like ash on her finger mm -hmm. from the vote. And that was like the symbol that they voted Mm -hmm. I can't even believe, I never, and I, I specifically remember thinking like, oh, it's a really big deal. They, they get to vote. I never thought voting was like, I always took it. We're always going to vote. No big mm -hmm. deal. The fact that we're now in a situation where we're like preparing for battle to go to the polling place is, and that we're making like plans months in advance. Insane. Yeah. Never could have fathomed. Yeah, if you're if you are a swing state voter or and it, particularly if it's a swing state that's a red state, get your in and you're voting in person, get your in-person voting plan together ASAP. Get a crew, grab some lawn chairs, mask it up, bring food because it's really that serious and they are definitely I mean, they have an express plan to try to disenfranchise enough people that they win. You know, we were talking in the SUP group chat last night, just, you know, before the convention, and we were talking about how crazy it is. You know, they take all these positions that people don't support, and it's like, don't they want to win? And it's like, yeah, they want to win, but they don't want to win by getting the most votes. They want to yeah, win by other means. Yeah, they don't care how they they want they want to be in power. They don't care about winning. No. They do yeah. not they do not believe that getting the most votes is necessary for them to remain in power and they frankly do not care if that's how they win. Yeah, no. They're happy to win either way. Not at all. Um but speaking of voting and various disenfranchisements throughout history, um, today is actually kind of a special day. It marks 100 years since Tennessee became the 36th and final state to uh, require to ratify a constitutional amendment guaranteeing women the right to vote. Um, in theory, the 19th Amendment. So this is the anniversary. This is the day. Wow. Um, get excited. <laughs> in theory, the 19th Amendment extended suffrage to all women with citizenship. But in practice, it was really only for white women. So, you know, typical. Um and they were already, in some cases, they had been permitted to vote because of state laws. Um, but non-white women, obviously, have been fighting for the right to vote and continued fighting for the right to vote for another century past that. Um, yeah, it really wasn't until the Voting Rights Act, like, like we can go all the way to the 60s when black women truly were given equal access to the ballot box. And then of course we have now destroyed the voting rights act. So, <laughs> Right. There's also the point that like 
native women who weren't technically citizens, they couldn't get voting rights because they weren't technically citizens and they would have to basically abandon being part of their tribe in order to get these voting rights for a mm -hmm. long time after the 19th amendment passed. So it's always, you know, I think we, again, like I was just saying a minute ago, like we take this voting for granted, but it actually matters because they don't want us to do it. The fact that they don't want us to do it shows us how badly we need to do it. Yes, exactly. I mean, it, it really, um, it really, really brings it home when you see how hard people fought to get the right to vote. Like, you have to understand that the people who did that, they felt the loss of the right to vote. Like, it's one of those things, like, maybe you don't feel like it matters to you right now, but it, if you lost it, it would matter. I feel like if they're listening to this, it matters, but yes. send it to a friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For your, for your friend who's on the fence. You know what I mean? She's at a crossroads like yes. John Case. <laughs> yeah. For your friend who's standing at John Kasich's crossroads. Where do you think matters. that was? Like his backyard? Someone on Twitter figured out where it was. And it's like, at a, it's literally like a random field that has a crossroads. Okay. Um, well, just speaking of all the uh, uh, attempts that are made to prevent us from voting, we mm -hmm. have one last quick update. Yes. Um, which is that we mentioned yesterday uh, the mass hysteria over the mail is actually sort of moving something again, like we talked about. Nancy Pelosi is calling back the House from its summer recess early for a vote on legislation to block election sabotaging election sabotaging changes at the post office. Um, the House Oversight and Reform Committee scheduled an emergency hearing for next Monday, the day after mm -hmm. I wed, ah! where Postmaster General Louis DeJoy will um, attend, he agreed. Again, we'll see what this actually, ha what actually comes from this, but he is attending. And then um, per request from Senate, Senate, Senator Elizabeth Warren mm -hmm. and other Democrats, the USPS Inspector General has agreed to review DeJoy's policies and potential federal ethics violations in response to the request. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be quite a hearing. I wonder what DeJoy's vibe is. Like, is he going to be like a Bill Barr type who just like doesn't really answer any questions? Is I'm he like a Mike? A, I'm picturing a Gordon Sondland mixed with a Bill Barr. Mixed I, with a Matthew Whitaker. I will. I, I miss the Michael Cohen vibe, like the trunk lackey. There's he also, he could coming. go. He could go Kavanaugh and just be crying and screaming. <laughs> right. Like a baby. Yeah. Never, um, never forget that if you're a man, you actually have the option to start screaming and crying. <laughs> it might get you confirmed. You, it literally will not stop you from having one of the most important positions in the country if you go on TV and just are like, Wah! look at my calendars. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a white man. If you're a white man, you can do that. Yeah. Special perks. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that is, we will see. We'll and see. I will be live tweeting again for night two of the DNC. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you'll see, we'll see it, my thoughts and sign up for the newsletter. You can get a breakdown of it tomorrow morning. Yes. Or you and can also hear a podcast breakdown if you're just that excited about DNC yeah. updates. There are really a lot of options for you to hear what we think about the DNC. You know, we go more in depth on some, less in depth on others. Twitter, kind of, kind of short. Yep, exactly. Pod, email, medium, medium heat of porridge. Yes. Podcast. And then, 
big bowl of porridge. Yeah, and you get our whole, you get all of our feelings and our thoughts, whereas the newsletter is more like me telling you factual things with little jokes, and then the Twitter is just real-time thoughts. Right. You know, no. sometimes it is important to break down your media. <laughs> you get all these things. And then there's the Instagram. We didn't even talk about that. Then you could also follow along on Instagram. Amanda's posting stories. Amanda's keeping it, keeping it updated. So many, many ways to enjoy the DNC with us. Um, and until the return of democracy, I'm Elise Morales. I'm Sammy Fishbein. And this is the Betches Sup Podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com. Betches.